Hello and welcome to Harvard Center for International Development's Road to GEM Climate and Development podcast. CID's Road to GEM 23 Climate and Development series precedes and helps launch CID's Global Empowerment Meeting or GEM, which will take place this May, focused on the theme Growing in a Green World. This spring, CID strives to elevate and learn from voices working in countries on the front lines of the climate crisis and will feature important lessons from such leaders through this podcast. This week, we are joined by Reema Nanavati, an Indian social worker who is known for her work in organizing women into cooperative organizations and enabling them to reach appropriate markets over the last four decades. She does this as the director of SEVA, or Self-Employed Women's Association, the largest union of informal sector workers reaching close to 2 million rural women and their families across India. In 2013, she was honoured by the Government of India with the Padma Shri, the fourth highest civilian award for her contributions to the field of social service. Reema Bain, thank you so much for being here with us today. Namaste and thank you for bringing me in today as well. So over the past few years of uh, my journey, what I have seen is that though there are discussions on climate change at the broad level within academic institutions like Harvard and also the emphasis on the need for action, there isn't as much conversation about the magnitude of its current impact and of how climate change is already a reality and making the day-to-day health and lives of people in countries like India a struggle. So from your work, could you share a bit about how global warming has been impacting women in rural India? Uh, Thank you very much. And I really appreciate that you were thinking about women in India. And when I speak, I will speak on behalf of our 2.5 million women workers, all in the informal economy. And as you may be aware, 93% of the workforce in our country is in the informal economy. The worst sufferers of global warming or climate change or whatever are the different um, connotations that we may use are the poor and amongst the poor are the women uh, workers as well. Uh, let me give you an example that, you know, Rami Ben, a small farmer, she had a great harvest of wheat and cumin, both. And just as the harvest was ready, there was unseasonal rains coupled with cyclone and that snatched away a bountiful harvest from her. But, you know, Rami Ben doesn't blame anyone for what she is currently suffering from. And she feels that it's the nature that is curious with us. And I can give you several such examples of vendors selling fruits, vegetables, other items on the streets, of construction workers toiling in the uh, extreme heat during the heat wave. Or I can give example of women working in the salt pans in the extreme heat going up to 51 or 52 degrees centigrade. And, you know, um, because of these kind of global warming incidences, uh, repeated climate shocks, whether it's a cyclone, unseasonal rain, or heat wave, their working hours reduce, and uh, therefore it directly affects the income of these poor women workers. Very often their um, raw material or their goods for sale also get affected. 
Once the income reduces, it directly results into reduction of food intake by the women workers. Uh, the worst are affected are women in the family. They are the last to eat. And as a result, food and nutrition get affected. Children's education also gets affected. This also results into a lot of health-related issues. But women can hardly afford to have access to healthcare services. So these are some of the effects that we have been experiencing almost for the last three to four years amongst the SEVA members. Right. And what are some of the initiatives that SEVA has been taking in order to address these challenges? Uh, last year, SEVA celebrated its 50 years. And when we were uh, meeting with our late founder, Ila Bhatt, uh, to discuss how do we celebrate the 50 years, the message she gave us was 50 years have already gone by. And therefore, what is more important is to plan for the next 50 years so that SEVA remains relevant to the younger generation members, as almost 40% of our members are in the age group of 18 to 32 years of age. And all our members uh, unanimously resolve to work towards building cleaner skies. We call it as Swachh Akash, which in our Indian languages mean that cleaner skies. How do we make the earth uh, surrounding us clean? How do we make the water clean? And how do we make the air clean? At SEVA, we also always believe that every adversity also brings an opportunity. How do we turn this climate adversity into an opportunity? By generating green livelihoods, by building up green skills, by generating green financing. And that is the direction in which we are working. So to give some examples, we have Haryala uh, Gaon, uh, which means that there are green villages. So the entire village uh, meets together. They do household energy planning and budgeting. And then under women's leadership, they decide on whether a family needs to ad adapt uh, biodigester, cool roof, switching over to cleaner electrical appliances. How do you make your farming uh, natural farming? So making... Uh, turning into uh, less use of chemical fertilizers and uh, pesticides, but making your own biofertilizers and biopesticides. How do younger women and youth in the villages become climate entrepreneurs? How can we also bring in electric mobility into the villages? And last and the very important is that how do you also make your farming and the farmers, small women farmers, more climate resilient? And how do you integrate energy farming in, along with your uh, regular farming? And how do you take it to carbon credit so that it also brings an additional source of income? So these are some of the initiatives that we are taking. Uh, so that even though small, how do you reduce the carbon footprint? Because collectively for 2.5 million households, it's still a significant contribution. And as a result of it, how do you make the process uh, of transitioning a just and equitable process? Similarly, in order to beat and withstand the heat wave, 
how do you have cool roofs how do you have insulated water storage facilities how do you bring solar water coolers to the households how do you also train and make the communities aware on making their own ors and how do they keep themselves hydrated so these are some of the initiatives that seva has been undertaking for the last 3 to 4 years thank you so much for sharing that it's really interesting how you reframe the climate crisis as an opportunity to uh, simultaneously generate livelihood opportunities as climate entrepreneurs so a related question that i had in that um, regard was that when we think about who is impacted and who is benefiting even from a lot of the uh, new upcoming entrepreneurship opportunities that you mentioned traditionally women and people from marginalized castes face disproportionately negative impacts of climate change in india but i know that seva works to empower the most disadvantaged groups so i would love to know how seva is fostering diverse voices in these kind of decision making positions when it comes to building the green economy Yeah, all members of seva are the poorest of the poor and we also take up family as a unit but under women's leadership so once you do education and awareness as i was saying that in a village or in a ward or in a slum uh, we do household energy planning and budgeting but then under women's leadership that we decide whether the family would like to invest in a biodigester or they would like to invest in a solar pump or they would like a solar rooftop or they would like a precision irrigation pump depending on the budget that they would be spending on availing access to energy and when and definitely when women are the ones in the decision making role they are the ones who will look look into and take into consideration the needs of the entire family at the same time they are futuristic as well and that is how we decide um, you know how uh, at the household level and then consolidating at the village level how do you turn the village into a green village related to that as well so i'm personally interested in the issue of access and infrastructure you mentioned a bit about electric mobility and sustainable energy within households so given the rapid urbanization happening in our country over the next few decades and the migration that we are seeing from rural to urban areas what do you think is the role of regional planners in ensuring sustainable living environments and sustainable infrastructure so what kind of resilient infrastructure can regional planners focus on so i think basically uh, when you look at regional planners it's all focused on urban and re- regional planning and when we say infrastructure everybody thinks of roads and bridges and flyovers or large dams or large solar parks or big farms but when we talk about infrastructure from the women workers point of view this is infrastructure like you know you have distributed renewable energy initiatives so how can there be a very micro solar park which is owned and managed by the women themselves collectively 
or how can women do energy farming and the and they do farm top energy planning so you know it is those kind of and we when we talk about infrastructure it is also a household level biodigester or it is a precision irrigation pump for a very small farm so that's the kind of infrastructure and asset creation how do that that leads to green asset creation in the name of women yeah thank you for sharing that there are certain actions that we as a global community can take to mitigate the impacts of climate change whereas in some other cases the damage of unpredictable weather events and natural disasters offers no option but to adapt and build resilient communities so how does seva as an organization juggle between its efforts between climate mitigation and climate adaptation sure i would like to share with you that from our five decades of experience women and especially poor women workers they do not want charity all they want is an enabling environment and enabling policies and therefore i think what seva really works on is that how do you create enabling environment and how do you equip and enable the women and their enterprises to adapt and mitigate the climate crisis and therefore i think the most important thing that we have uh, uh, worked on is how can women have access to finance so that they are able to have climate adaptation and mitigation measures uh, at an affordable and easily accessible terms and therefore we are setting up the global climate resilience fund for women so that's the first and the foremost thing the second that we see is that women workers do make uh, and adapt to their living conditions in the given ecosystem in which they are working and they adapt very in a very fluid way and that is why there is very thin boundary between adaptation and mitigation when we look from poor women workers point of view so these are some of the aspects that seva really focuses on as to how do you build resilience of your women workers no social protection measure becomes effective unless and until the poor women workers have livelihood security and you cannot ensure livelihood security unless you have built resilience of these women workers so that is what seva is really focusing on yeah it's really interesting about how you're creating that enabling environment and providing the freedom of choice through finance mechanisms so that women can decide what their needs are between both of these issues another question that i had was that as a non-profit organization working directly at the grassroots i think you would have the strongest insights on the role of other supporting pillars of the indian and international development ecosystem so could you share some recommendations on what actions need to be taken by institutions like governments donors and academia to address our climate crisis at scale asking that and i think uh, of first and the foremost is that how do you do the planning um, the action planning or the implementation of the ndcs at the family level then at the community level then at the village level then at the uh, regional level state and national levels 
That's the first and the foremost thing. The second is how do you see poor and women workers, not just as recipients or beneficiaries, but how do you integrate them into the value chain? How do you create women-owned and managed enterprises? And therefore, there's a, a dire need to create young women data entrepreneurs. Third is that, you know, poor alone cannot do, then therefore there is a need for collective action and therefore partnerships also play a major role. Partnerships with the private sector, partnerships with the government, partnerships with the public sector and partnerships in terms of bringing technology, right kind of technology at affordable rate of, rate of interest. And third is that how do you create infrastructure at the grassroots level? Therefore, look at best practices and how do you take it to scale? And last but very important is creating a global climate resilience fund for women. Wonderful. So in, in the spirit of uh, creating more women entrepreneurs, what would be your advice to students and young professionals, especially women who are passionate about climate justice? Great. And I would welcome you all to come and work at Seva's Climate School. Help in designing modules, help in designing the pedagogy, help in training the trainers. And how do you create chatbots? How do you create audiovisual materials so that these young women climate entrepreneurs can use it to spread out the message and bring about climate action at the grassroots level? Thank you so much for taking our time to share all these wonderful insights and helping our listeners learn from your inspirational work at the front line of climate crisis in India. To our listeners, you can find more information about Seva's work at seva.org and you can learn about the Center for International Development's research events and upcoming events at cid.harvard.edu. Thank you for listening and we'll see you back soon.